there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Why don't you lift your hands right now? Why don't you lift your voice? Uh, let's begin to call on that name, uh, the only saving name, uh, the name in which all power and authority rests, uh, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 worship you Lord we worship you Lord praise you Jesus praise you Jesus praise you Jesus praise you Lord why don't we just stop for a moment let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now praise the Lord praise the Lord what an honor and a privilege it is to be in God's house today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen, amen. God bless you. you may be seated. It is good to see everybody here today. We've got a lot of visitors with us. It's great to have Sister Siler visiting with us. I didn't get your name. I'm sorry, Sister, but we're glad you're visiting with us as well. Amen, Brother Barney here. We've got Brother Ziggy and Sister Collie and... Alex, I remembered. Good to have Alex with us as well. Amen. And uh, so many, I'm seeing more people here and I don't know everyone's name. Amen. And it's, it's just good to have everybody here. Sister Glenda, I knew Sister Glenda. She's just, she blends in when she comes up. That's the problem. She just fits in here, you know. Amen. It's good to have everybody here. Amen. What a privilege we have to worship King Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm just excited to be living for Him. Well, praise the Lord, Sister Glenda, you and me. We're excited about it. Is anyone else excited about living for Jesus? Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, this morning, we're also very, very grateful to have uh, mom and dad visiting with us. Amen. They've been here for a few weeks. It's, they're traveling with Brother Canaan from Ohio as well this morning. And, and we're putting him to work. Amen. He's, um, he helped me put, well, when I say he helped me put curtains up, actually he did it. I just gave him my drill and he did it. So um, he put my curtains up at my home and uh, he taught a youth life class, which he's going to be teaching for the next five weeks. So young person, be here at 10 o'clock. No, be here at 9.30 for prayer, but be here by 10. If you came here late, don't be late next Sunday, okay? You don't want to miss out on youth life class. It's going to be great. So come along for that. And, and he jumped on the drums for us this morning, and that was amazing. And we just enjoyed that. Amen. And it's good to have mom and dad here as well. I'm going to ask my mom to come first, if that's okay. Ask her to greet the church. Amen. I love my mommy. Praise God. So good to be here. There's nothing like the presence of God. Search the world over. There's nothing like it. It doesn't get better than this. 
This is where it's at. Amen. Praise God. I want to give honor to your pastor and your first lady this morning. And also I want to give honor to our UPCA missionary to the beautiful Walpuri people, Sister Sala. Such a thrill to have her walk through the door this morning. She, and, you know, she's my friend. So, and, and of course, I give honor to Brother, brother Sambana as well. God bless you, brother. As I was just sitting there getting ready to come up and testify, I said, Lord, what do you want me to share? And instantly, a scripture popped into my mind. And I may have shared it before. I don't know. But I feel like not everyone can quote this scripture. But I thank God that I can quote this scripture not everyone can, and when I quote it, you'll know why not everybody can. But all my life, he has been faithful. I have failed him countless times, but not one time has he failed me. I put many years ago at the age of 12, I put my weak hand in his, and he has led me and guided me. And when I thought my life was at an end, he didn't just take me around. He led me through the fire to the other side. Then he took the rubbish that was in my life and he turned it around for his glory. And the Bible says in Psalm 37, Verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you're at this morning or what you're going through or what is around the corner, but there is a God that knows and you can trust him. You can trust him because once upon a time, I was a little girl in Central Australia out where the Walpuri people are. Today, I am much older, but in that time, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You can make it because Jesus never fails. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? Praise the Lord. I want to invite my mentor to come this morning, but most importantly, my dad. He means so much to me, and I'm just grateful that I have him I can look up to, and I can get him to preach for me. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Oh, this is what we live for. Amen. Hallelujah. Worshiping God, feeling His presence, whether it's at home or uh, wherever. But there's a special something when we come together. You know, some people say, oh, we didn't come to see each other. We just came to worship God. No, I came to see you. You're my family. Oh yeah, I'm going to worship God, but I didn't come just to worship God. I came to see you and to shake your hand and hug your neck because all the rest of the week I'm out there with the Philistines. And I can't say God bless you. Well, I can and I do, but it's not quite the same. Amen. 
It's so good to every one of you. Some of you, it's very first time, but not for most of you. Most of you I've met before somewhere uh, in this journey, and it is so good to see you this morning. Give honor to your pastor and uh, brother Jason, sister Janie. Everyone's so good to see you. I'm not going to go through names because there's just too many names this morning. I just have to start right over here with my wife and move all the way across. So I'm not, but it's just, you know, I've shaken your hand before church and said hello. And uh, just so wonderful to see uh, each of you. This morning is a beautiful presence of God. And as I get older, uh, honestly, I get more and more nervous handling the Word of God because I begin to see how grand it really is and how above anything that I can say the Word of God really is. And uh, from spending really my life until now studying and reading the Word of God, I just get nervous. I just get nervous because this book, brothers and sisters, is where it's at. If, if it's not in the book and it doesn't add up with the book, don't take any notice. It doesn't matter how loud the preacher on TV or YouTube shouts. It doesn't matter how big their church is or what kind of car they drive or clothes they wear. If it's not in the book, brothers and sisters, don't take any notice. Because as we come towards the end, the Bible says people will follow preachers that say what they want them to say. But I want a preacher that if I'm going to be knocking on the doors of hell because I'm living wrong, I want a preacher that's going to tell me that. Hallelujah. I don't want a preacher that's just going to make me dance and shout and rejoice over false expectations that my life is not living in reality with. I want somebody to tell me the truth. I want somebody to tell me, look. I, we love you and this is what you do, but this is what the Word of God says because He loves us and He gave His life for each of us. Anything He says that might be hard or tough is uh, coming from a place of love. Amen. It would be good for you if you just let me put my timer on. I'm not looking at YouTube here. This is like, look, timer timer all right so hallelujah hallelujah i bring you greetings from vanuatu and uh, from the central pacific area uh, they have been praying for us a lot while we have been here and uh, they love the church in australia lots of them over here working from north to south uh, picking fruit and different things and we miss them but we try and hook them up with churches when we can and uh, so God is doing a lot of things. And I believe that in the last month, there's been about four people from Vanuatu baptized in Jesus' name right here in Australia. Praise God. So I am excited uh, when I heard that report. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to start in the Old Testament, finish in the New Testament, and talk about everything in between. No, not really. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I, I want to call names, but there's so many that I just am not going to, all right? So will you forgive me if I don't call out your names? It's just, there's so many of you uh, that I am uh, thrilled to see. We're going to start in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. The title of this message Excuse me. I had another title called No Excuses Needed, but the real title, the first time the Lord kind of brought this across my path is, Are You Ready for the Wedding? And really, I, you know, we, we'll put that up there. I'll run with that this morning. But this morning in prayer, I felt a change in direction and God knows everything. Sometimes I know weeks in advance what I'm going to preach. God's given it to me. It's clear. I put it down. Other times I struggle to the last minute as I'm rushing out the door. I'm still trying to put down the final, the final thoughts and saying, God, uh, I wish you'd given this to me yesterday. But God knows. Amen. He knows who's coming and he knows where our free will leads us and everything else. Hallelujah. But Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. So my question, let me give you the title. Let me give you the thread that uh, the Lord has laid on my heart. Are you ready for the wedding? Now, when I first thought about that, I thought of Brother Raddick. After I shook Sister Sala and Brother Barna's hands, I thought about them. <laughs> but every one of us is going to a wedding. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And you know, the reason I put another title, No Excuses Needed, is because there is no excuse for anyone not to be at the wedding. There's no excuse. No excuse. All right. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1 says, Ho. Sounds like a Christmas message, but it's not. And you can stand. Let's just stand together. We're about to delve into this amazing Word of God. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come you to the waters. He that has no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. There's a follow up verse in verse 2. It says, Why or wherefore do you spend money for what that which is not bread? Why are you spending money on things that don't satisfy? And your labor for that which satisfies not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I'd like us to go to the New Testament, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. <clears throat> the last minute I put the scriptures in my note as well, but I went through and highlighted them yesterday as well. I've been highlighted before. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day... Everyone say last day. That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, 
Everyone say, if anyone, anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Spirit. And if you'd be willing to turn to another scripture, Luke chapter 12, just back a little way. Luke chapter 12 and verse 40, we're going to read one, just this one scripture or even just part of this scripture. But the scripture says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And if we could go to chapter 14, I want to follow on that thought. Last scriptures this morning. Luke for, for this for this reading. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper. Matthew parallels it as, parallels it as a wedding feast. Great supper. And bade many, and sent his servant at supper time, and said unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make, everyone say, excuses. When I'm called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I want to be ready. I don't want to make excuses. Can we pray together and just ask God to continue to touch us and speak to us this morning? Jesus, this service is all about you, oh God. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the center. You are the circumference, oh God. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the left and the right, oh God. This morning, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us through your, your word, oh God. I don't want my thoughts. I don't want my opinions, oh God. They matter nothing, oh Lord. Touch my lips, oh God, with a coal from off your altar as I've already prayed many, many times, oh Lord, that we could speak your words, oh God, to your people in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's give God a hand of praise. And baby, if you could just grab my water. Hallelujah. The Word of God is rather unique in our society and in our culture today. In all cultures around the world, in all societies, the Word of God stands alone as the only one that says it has the absolute answer for everything, for everyone, for every time. Cultures change, societies change, world religions change over time. Even some of the deepest embedded Eastern religions that have been around for thousands of years change as life progresses and moves. The Word of God says it is never going to change. It is not you change one jot or one tittle out of the Word of God. That means one smallest thing. And God says that's not the way this was designed. Why? Because the God that 
made us and knows the end from the beginning is the one that wrote the Word of God. He gave us this love letter, whether we're sharing it in Woolpre, in English, in Japanese, or in Chinese, whether it's an African nation and tongue somewhere that only a few hundred people know, or whether it's a well-known world language, it doesn't matter. The Word of God lasts forever. Hallelujah. And it has the answer to the situations that you and I face in our lives. When we look for the emphasis, when we read the Word of God, we look for what is important to God. If it's not important to God, let's not make it a major doctrine. Amen? We know the oneness and the fact that God's identity and who He is and Messiahship, we know that is important to God because all through the Bible, God is one, God is one, God is one, God is one. Type it here, stick it here, put it on your house, look at it, learn it, memorize it, walk about it when you stand up, when you sit down, talk about it, God is one. That's important. So we need to preach on that. We need to let the world know that there's not 33 million gods, there's not two gods, there's one God. Amen? And we know his saving name, the name of Jesus. Praise God, his name. Hallelujah. And so when we look, sometimes when we look for the emphasis that God places on an issue, uh, many times it's very different to the emphasis that we place. And God's emphasis, if you think about it, if you look at the book of Genesis, for example, one chapter talks about the creation of the world. In the beginning, God said, boom, finished, that's it. Chapter 2 kind of repeats it, and chapter 3 just summarizes and fills in some gaps of the same thing. God isn't talking about, if you look at the first 90 to 100 chapters of the Bible, God is not talking about creation is not important to him. He just states it. But the fact that he was creating a way to communicate with mankind, we have a whole book on the Levitical priesthood. We have books of Judah. We have so much information on the fact that he wants a relationship with us. That's what's important to him. Hallelujah. We can argue about whether God created the world. We can have our, our education systems argue about whether God created the world, how he created it, how long he took it. Talk about it as much as you want. God really doesn't care what we think. Amen. God's like, I made it. That's the end of it. Praise God. So many books have been written about mankind helping us to understand man, philosophers and all those thinkers that think about man and talk about man and everything else. But you know what? You go to the Word of God, man is not the center of the universe. God is. It doesn't matter how much they talk about man and try and explain why you do it this way and why we think this way and, and what this means and what these actions means and, and all the philosophies and things about man. The center of the world is, should be God. What does God think? What does God say? What does God want? Hallelujah. And when we come to the, that's why when we approach the Word of God, this is not just a textbook. This thing is alive and it's never going to change. And so if we want to get things right, we have to change to fit the Word of God. Can you say amen? I'm talking about are we ready for the wedding and 
No excuses. Let's just run with two titles this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. An excuse. I looked up the meaning of the word excuse. An excuse is an explanation explains why someone did something or why something happened uh, that was that was not justified. It didn't have a good reason to happen. A reason, uh, a, a seek to lessen the blame attached to something. I think I saw a video somewhere of Jason showing cream on the floor uh, of Jonathan's bedroom. And when John, Jason asked Jonathan, how did that cream get there? Jonathan pointed to his teddy bear and said, bear bear put it there. That's an excuse, right? How many have ever come across someone that just makes excuses? It's not the real reason. You know it, they know it, they're just making an excuse. Amen? How many people like excuses? Nobody really likes it because they're not honest. They're not telling the truth. They're not owning the mistake that they made or whatever it is. A reason given to justify uh, a, an excuse is given to justify a fault. A reason is simply stating the facts and explaining what happened. It explains why someone did something or why something happened. An excuse, on the other hand, is uh, specifically justifies a fault. Excuses are negative. They're irresponsible. Reasons are just the natural occurrence it happened because of this, and if acted upon, lead to a good outcome. Brothers and sisters, when we stand before God, when we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which we are all invited to today, we can either make excuses or we can make sure we're ready for the wedding. We know what excuses are. And here in the Bible, we read a text where uh, this man invited people, and the Bible says they began to make excuses. I went online and had a look, and uh, some of the excuses that people make for work, hello, for not going to work. One was the employer said, the, the employee said that he couldn't come to work because his fortune teller had asked him not to step out of the house or he would suffer a brain hemorrhage. Another true excuse, this is from Reader's Digest. Another excuse, an employee uh, couldn't come to work because they accidentally got on an aeroplane. I mean, I've gone through some wrong doors and turned left when maybe I should have turned right, but accidentally getting on the wrong aeroplane maybe was what happened. An employee said that somebody glued her doors and windows shut so she couldn't leave the house to come to work. We are living in a world where there is a lot of excuses going on as people are asked to come back to the office. (laughs) An employee was experienced traumatic stress from a large spider found in the house and had to stay home and deal with it. The stress, not the spider. Excuses. You can go to a website that gives you the best 50 excuses that your boss will believe. I saw it this morning. The thing is, in our life and in our mind and in our heart, we kind of feel like excuses sometimes are okay. When we read the parable of the feast, 
Luke and Matthew. Somebody had bought a ground and said they had to go and see it. Somebody else had bought some oxen and had to test them out. Somebody else had got married. All of those speak of personal business and social excuses. Kind of covers all the temptations that Jesus talks about. And if we're not careful in our democratic life, we will allow social influencing to determine our beliefs. And brothers and sisters, if you don't know what I mean by social influencing, basically what our society decides or the majority decides, we accept that as the actions that should be taken. Brothers and sisters, God is not interested in what our society believes. God is not interested in what our history may have taught us. God is only interested in what his book told us. It's different. We struggle with it. I'm not teaching on it or preaching on it this morning, but God does not run a democracy. He runs a kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, you don't vote for the king. You don't elect the king. You don't even have to like the king. But the word of the king stands forever. Hallelujah. And it's not going to change. We get brought up being told, you Your opinion matters. Everybody's got the right to express what they think. Yes, talk all you want, but we won't reach good absolutes or beliefs if we are influenced by what everyone else is saying. And that's where around the world, not just in Australia, but around the world, that's where the clash of the Bible and society happens. And that's where the clash of the Bible and your heart happens. Are you and I going to believe the Word of God even when we don't understand it and can't explain it? Are we going to believe it and obey it? Or are we going to kind of make excuses and explain away the things that are in the Word of God? Brothers and sisters, the closer we can get to the Bible, the closer we can live by what it says. Like I said, I'm not teaching on it but it leads to people. When we have social influence that runs and rules our lives, it leads to people that look on boundaries as restrictions of a prisoner rather than walls of protection. Everyone says, you can't tell me what to do. You can't let me not express my opinion. And when things are put up to try and protect a society over generations, they get torn down. People look at restrictions as prison walls when really they're walls to keep harmful things out. Hallelujah. Anything that is stated as an absolute, as a matter of fact, most believe there is no absolutes. Absolutes are things that the Word of God majors in, the sanctity of life. I'm talking about social issues as well as spiritual issues because they're connected. But when we talk about the sanctity of life, the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Amen. It's just absolute. It doesn't want to explain it. It doesn't want to tell us why. It just, it does kind of tell us a bit about it, but, but it's not, God is not apologizing for the things that he says about how we should live because he loves us so much. He gave his life for us and he knows what's best for humanity. Hallelujah. He doesn't say, oh, I created the world, but if you want to try and think of something else, that's okay with me. No. That's what we say. Don't ever prostitute the Word of God on the altar of social opinion. 
Don't let this word of God be diluted and watered down like some weak drink that everyone will be happy to drink. There's things in this word of God that if you, don't, you and I don't know God, we will not like. It tells us how to live. It tells us how our society as far as family and marriage and all those issues go. We live in a country and a place, not a country. We live in a beautiful country. Amen. Hallelujah. We live in a time that is just repeating the cycles of history in trying to redefine everything when the Word of God already has it defined. Just go to the Word of God. The issues we're facing today are not new issues. They're not something unusual. They're not something that the world has never faced before. Christians always face these. And often they, when they stood up for what was right, they got fed to the lions or they got put in prison because they said, no, the Bible doesn't leave a question mark over this area. It, it makes a clear statement. And society said, well, we're not going to believe you. We're not going to accept that. So we're going to get rid of you, brothers and sisters. The word of God shall stand forever. There's a word in the Bible talking about marriages, talking about those that being ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a word in the Bible that the Bible says in Matthew, I'll just give you the reference, Matthew 5.22, anyone that says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. But you know, the Bible calls several people fools. Bible doesn't apologize for it. It's one of those areas when the Bible talks about somebody being a fool, it has a very specific meaning. It doesn't mean you did not have a good education. It does not mean that you cannot read well. It does not mean that you don't have a lot of money. No, a fool in the mind of God has nothing to do with these things. And the reason I'm tying this in is because I'm going to finish off this morning by talking about the five wise and the five foolish virgins that were at the wedding. Invited to the wedding, coming up with excuses, not understanding the complete authority of the Word of God, but also having no excuse because Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. If you haven't come to Jesus Christ, according to him, it's because you're not thirsty yet. Hello? I think I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that have come to Jesus Christ. So just relax and feel comfortable. Amen. But if you haven't really come and found Jesus Christ, then there needs to be a thirst that builds up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the fools in Luke chapter 24 that do not believe the prophets. Oh, fools and slow of heart. Jesus called them fools. Those that accept only the words of Jesus Christ. Those that accept only parts of the Bible. Those that reject the Bible as the inspired word of God. Jesus said, you're fools. You try and change the Bible, but Jesus himself. There's another story we all know. We sing it in Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Who built on the sand? The fool. We all know, don't call anyone a fool. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus keeps calling these people foolish because his definition of a fool is someone that doesn't believe in him. 
The fool builds on lies. A fool builds on a moving foundation such as social opinion. Fools will build uh, on, all those, on all those things that move. Hallelujah. But we need to build on the rock, Jesus Christ, that never changes. Can you say amen? Fools make fun of sins. I won't go through all of these. A fool is someone who doesn't redeem the time. Bible says in Luke 12, a fool, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. A fool is someone that heats up treasure down here for himself or herself. Can you say amen? The wrong conception, the wrong idea about life, the wrong idea about life values, preparing to live but not preparing to die. Jesus says that's a fool. If you think you're going to be alive for the rest of this week and you live as though you're going to be alive for all of next week, then that's okay. But you'd better be prepared right now in case you don't make it to tonight. Amen. And that Bible says if we don't live that way, then we are a fool. Hallelujah. Making these things our God. But then the worst fool of all, (coughs) excuse me, if I could put it this way, I believe is found in Matthew 25. And verse 13, of course, Psalm says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Anyone that says no God, they are a fool. They really are. It doesn't matter how many scientific degrees they might have. If they say there is no God, then the Bible says, not me, the Bible, not this church, the Bible, says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But then there's that last fool that I'm going to close with this, uh, this morning. The fool in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus, words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 25. If you just write it down, verses 1 to 13. The time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Everyone say, five foolish, five wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil. That's kind of like trying to take, drive your car without a battery. The lamp, the Bible lets us know. This is not me. The Bible says the lamp is often the word of God. It's referred to. His word is a lamp unto my feet, etc., etc. So maybe they had some kind of relationship but there was no oil. And to be ready for the wedding, oil had to be in the lamps to light the fire. Amen? Over 200 times oil is mentioned in the Bible in relation to the Holy Spirit. So this is not me just putting my interpretation on it, but the Bible lets us know that oil means something. It's, 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 it's clear. The Holy Spirit's presence, the Holy Spirit's action. One, one, just one example, for example, when the prophet Samuel anointed David with oil to be the new king of Israel. So to show the connection, the next statement is that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Oil and the Holy Spirit are tied right throughout the Bible The wise took oil and they took extra oil just in case. 
They took oil in their jars. Now, I'm not going to link all this in with the wedding at Cana and everything else that happens and the meaning of wine in the Bible. All those things are, are clearly laid out. But the important thing is that the oil in the jars is what's needed. You are an earthen vessel, brothers and sisters. You don't need me to explain to you that we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. God showed that clearly. Every temple he ever in, inhabited, there were two signs. Fire that came from heaven fell on everyone. Fire came down. Fire. You wonder why there was fire in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost? Because God was clearly, it doesn't happen after that. It just happened that one time because God wanted us to know we are now the temple. This is now the temple. And in case we didn't understand it, Paul tells us a couple of times, 1 Corinthians 3.16, what know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? We are the temple. And that temple, that vessel, has to be full of oil. Oh, you may have started off by hearing the word and being filled with the Holy Ghost and whatever, having a wonderful experience with God. But the bridegroom delays his coming. And that little first experience with God can run very dry in a lot of people. Just look at who is not in church today. I mean, you've pastored, lived, we've all been around for a long time. I, if I really wanted to stop and think about it, I start praying for people that are backslidden and I could pray the rest of my life and not get through the list. Amen. Because that first experience, that's wonderful. You've got the invitation. You're there. You're on fire. The fire's burning. You've got that little bit of oil. But God tells us to come back and build a relationship that is going to make sure that we have that oil that is needed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't get drunk. I, I, tied, I tied in the wedding at Cana, uh, but I'm... <coughs> It's only, I'm not going to go through it, but don't get drunk as in wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We are those earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Timothy tells us, hallelujah, along with their lamps. Praise God. I need my experience with God. I need my experience with the Word of God. And I need my experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This this thing here, there's a documentary, because I, I don't have time to go through it and look at it, but I, I recommend to you a docu documentary called Before the Wrath. It was only made in 2020, so if you're thinking of something from before that, look it up online and look at Before the Wrath. It explains the wedding in Galilee, in, uh, in, uh, it explains this parable from a Galilean perspective, and that's who Jesus was talking to. And it lets us know how Jesus is coming back, when he's coming back, why he's coming back, not the day nor the hour, but it lays it out very clearly. He says some things in this account here, in, this, uh, in, in, uh, in Matthew, that no one would understand except the Galileans. And it makes it very, very clear. But the bridegroom delays his coming. And while those virgins are there waiting, now they're not the bride. I don't think he was marrying 10 people. 
How many are you going to marry, brother? <laughs> Hallelujah. People get carried away and, oh, this is the bride of Christ and all that kind of stuff. No, look into it a little deeper because he was not marrying the 10 of them. Amen. But they were watching for the return of the Lord. They were a part of what was going on. There's definitely a lesson in there for us in that. Hallelujah. That we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So what happens is they never knew when the bridegroom was going to return. In a wedding in Galilee, they weren't given a date. They weren't given a time. They didn't know. They prepared. And people knew that it was beginning to happen. There were signs that would be sent. There were things that began to happen. And they knew that the bridegroom would be coming soon but then the bridegroom comes and then this time he comes at the midnight hour he comes very unexpectedly and that's why I read the scripture at the beginning because Jesus finishes this account by saying be ye therefore ready also for the son of man comes at the hour when you don't think you see suddenly there's the ten virgins are sleeping there some of them have got their oils going some of them haven't got them. The Bible says they all rose up and trimmed their lamp. You see, sleep and rest and relaxation and sleep is not bad if you're full of the Holy Ghost. Some people say you got to work, 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 work. Yes, we want to see the world reach. But let me tell you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you can relax a little bit. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you can just, uh, you can just rest in that Holy Ghost. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost and you fall asleep, it could be terminal. Because the ten are there. I don't know how they were sleeping, probably according to some tradition that they had. They were all sleeping there. All their lamps were out at this stage. Maybe some were burning. It's not clear. But suddenly there came a cry that said, the bridegroom comes. The bridegroom comes. The bridegroom comes. And being probably led by his father, the bridegroom would come down and start to approach. And suddenly everything becomes alive and awake. And there's those uh, those ladies there, they've got their oil you see, they've got to usher in the coming of the bridegroom, they've got to welcome him in, they've got to dance and rejoice and sing and do all that stuff as he comes in and so they're trying to get the fire going and they start to trim their lamps and and cut away all the dead stuff and and any ash and they start and five of them, yes oh our lamps are empty, they've gone out while we went asleep but let's get our oil that we bought with us and so they top up those lamps and they say it's okay we're gonna we're gonna go out and we open but five they they look around they say our lamps have gone out we don't know what we're gonna do can I borrow some of your Holy Ghost let me tell you brothers and sisters no you can't borrow someone else's experience you can't borrow your mother your father your grandfather your uncle I don't care if your uncle's the Archbishop of wherever you cannot get to heaven on their experience this is a one on one thing. Hallelujah. We have to live for God. I have to live for God. They say, is there anything is there anything we can do? And they say, so they say, oh, we'd better go and pray through again is what they're saying. We'd better go out to town and find somebody that can give us some oil, somebody that'll set us on fire again. And so they go out. But while they're trying to renew their relationship with God, the bridegroom comes and the door is locked and they come back and start banging on that door and saying, let us in, let us in, let us in, just like in the days of Noah. And they bang 
And the bridegroom says, they say, I don't even know who you are. He said, I'm not opening my door to some strangers that I don't recognize. Brothers and sisters, they stood there. No doubt they began to panic. They began to, this was a big event for these people. And they began to uh, knock on that door. Brothers and sisters, we live in a time, we look at the signs. The Bible says we have to look at those signs. We live in a time when any day we could hear the bridegroom is coming. That trumpet is going to sound. It's going to blow. It's going to split the sky any moment, any time. We don't know when. And we sometimes just look at it at our little environment and we look at what's going on in Australia and what's going on and we think and think and think. And all the while, something's different happening in a different country. You can't judge the whole world by just our little social group. Hallelujah. But we know by the signs that are happening that, the, that any time Jesus could come back. And any time he could come back for you and me. When I was eight years old, at eight years old, I had already started to run from God. When I was eight years old, I was old enough to realize that my mom and dad were Christians and, and, and I knew I felt God when I went to church in my own childish way. I felt that it was real. I knew that God wanted me or whatever and I just started to walk away. I'd turn off Christian music that my parents played. I never liked to listen to it. I started to just get involved with my little friends and my little things. And then at eight years old, God allowed a car to run over my toes. Thank God he stopped at my toes. Just ran over my toes, knocked me unconscious like it was a genuine impact. Knocked me unconscious on the road. I woke up the next Sunday. I was in the altar. I got baptized and God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Literally scared the hell out of me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you come to God, right? At the end of the day, we love him because he first loved us. But hey, God will reach for us. He knows our heart. And so I gave... Uh, Gave, gave my life uh, to God. Praise God. But you know what? Every day. So, you know, we can die. I could have died right then as a child and who knows what would have happened. Amen. It's not like we're going to wait until, oh, yes, we're all going to be alive when Jesus comes again. We need to live every day ready for Jesus to return. We need to live every day full of the Holy Ghost. Don't wait for conference to pray through. Oh, my God, don't wait. If you wait and you play like that's the game, I'm going to wait for conference and I'm going to get serious with God. I just fear that one day God will stop you getting to conference because he doesn't, he doesn't like to be played with. The sacrifice and the love that he gave is very real. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, are you ready? Are you ready? John chapter 7 goes on about the Feast of Tabernacles, everything that was happening there, what was going on around that time when he stood up and he called anyone that is thirsty. Brothers and sisters, if we knock at the door after the bridegroom has come, there will be no excuse. And we don't need an excuse. That's why I tagged the word needed on the end of it. Because he says anyone that's thirsty, come. Let's stand together, shall we? Anyone that's thirsty, come. It's as simple as that, if you can stand, if you can't understand. Anyone that's thirsty, anyone that's thirsty, hallelujah, anyone that's thirsty to just to get a fresh touch from God, anyone that's thirsty, if you haven't spoken in tongues for a while, let me encourage you, it's meant to be a river of living water. It's not just a dripping tap every month. It's meant to be a river. 
It's meant to be a river. It's meant to be suddenly I get a letter in the mail or I get a bill that I can't pay and suddenly I can speak in tongues and begin to pray and take that thing to God. It's meant to be flowing and a part of living in our life. Amen? Every day, every day, every time we pray. Hallelujah. Don't think that, oh, I mean, some, some pray more than others. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not downing that. But it's good, however your experience with God is, to let that river flow. Paul bragged about it. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. It's not a bad thing to speak in tongues and let the Holy Ghost speak. You know, when you're doing that, you're in direct communication with God. You're talking about stuff the devil doesn't understand. Hallelujah. It's all a big mystery to him. This morning, the simple question, the simple question, I've gone just about 40 minutes, the simple question is, are you ready for the wedding? And if you're not, you don't need an excuse. No one likes excuses. Because if you're not, God wants to give you a top-up or fill you with the Holy Spirit again. It's not a mystical, magical something. No, it's part of what God wants to do. He just wants to give you a Christmas present. He just wants to give you something. It's not something you have to struggle and fight for and all that. No, just reach out to God and say, God, I take it. I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. Hallelujah. Jesus called them foolish virgins without any way. The way we respond in this church, I can hand back to Pastor if you'd like, but the way that, he, that we respond in this church is if we want to acknowledge the Word of God, we step to the front and we pray together before we leave. If you want God to just give you some more oil this morning, or you want to just thank God for the oil that you have and, and dedicate again, that's, that's what I was doing during worship service, that's what I was doing while I was preparing this, just saying, God, I have the Holy